The most liberating truth that I have ever discovered in the Word of God is the subject of this message today. All of us at times in our life go through those periods that uh, we feel sort of bogged down in our Christian life or we feel like somehow we are not making the progress we ought to make. Or as somebody says, once in a while we have those dry spells, that is, things just aren't like they ought to be and we'd like for them to be and somehow we just can't get off dead center. Well, in the process of God working in my own life, not being able to soar like I thought I ought to be able to, feeling in bondage and trapped and ensnared, God opened the verse of Scripture to me that I'm sure I had read many, many times, exegeted that passage, thought I knew what it meant, knew what part of it meant, but not until I came to some point in my life where, out of hopelessness and desperation, asking God to show me something that I'm sure and was sure I did not understand. There had to be something beyond what I understood. He opened that verse of Scripture to me. And when I saw that, all of a sudden, I began to be free and liberated and unshackled. And undisturbed about so many things that had disturbed me and had hindered me and kept me from growing in some areas of my life. Well, that verse of Scripture is so simple, so plain, that when I read it, you're going to say, Why, my goodness, I've been knowing that verse for years. You know the verse, but do you know the truth in that verse of Scripture? found in Luke chapter 2. And if you will recall in this passage that the angel was announcing the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in that announcement, this is what he said. In verse 10, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you, now listen, a Savior who is Christ, or Messiah, the Lord. Now, the angel said, For unto you has been born this day, been given to you a Savior, who is the Christ, who is the Lord. But there is one other title by which we know the Lord Jesus Christ that the angel did not announce. Now, the reason was that the idea of Savior, Christ, and Lord were all were all terms known to those who knew the Old Testament Scriptures. That uh, this one who was coming would be a Savior, he would be the Messiah, and he would be the Lord. What they did not know, what was not revealed to them at that time, and what the angel did not reveal was this, that this one, Jesus, who was coming, would also be their very life. So had he given the full revelation, he would have said... For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, who is the Christ, the Lord, your life. And so the title of this message is, Good News of Great Joy, Jesus, Your Life. Now, I want to explain what I mean by that title. I want to explain what I mean by Jesus Christ, Your Life. It's all through the Scriptures. But most people will go through their life never understanding this. 
They know he's their savior. They know he's the Messiah. They know he's the Lord. So they've accepted him as savior. They've acknowledged him as the Messiah. They have submitted to him as Lord. But somewhere along the way, they never quite understood or will ever understand that Christ Jesus came to be our very life. And the truth is, that is the whole key to the Christian life. And it is indeed the truth that set me free and liberated me in a fashion and in a manner I had never known before. Now, I'm not going to tell you I have a full comprehension of what it means to have Christ as a life, but I do know this. I know enough that I wouldn't ever want to be where I've been. I've experienced enough to know that without understanding that He's our life, you miss some of the cutting edge of the whole Christian life. I also know enough to realize that when Jesus Christ is appropriated as your life, it is amazing what He frees you and liberates you from and frees you and liberates you to. And I also know that many of you who have been saved but are struggling and you're totally defeated in your Christian life, if you can just simply grasp what I want to share, I assure you that your perspective of the Christian life is going to change. Your understanding of it will change. Your joy will take on a whole new meaning. And your capacity to understand and experience the Christian life will take on a whole new different perspective. So, when you and I understand who our life is, something dramatically happens. So, I want to explain to you what the Bible means when it says that Christ is our life. For in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, Paul said, For when Christ, who is our life, appears... Then shall we also appear with him in glory. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible says that you and I are composed of body, soul, and spirit. When God created us, if you will notice in uh, Genesis chapter 1, he says uh, in this uh, very first book of the Bible, in the first chapter, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then in the second chapter, verse 7, he said, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, composed of spirit, soul, and body. With our body, we relate to our environment. With our soul, which is composed of our conscience, our consciousness, our will, our mind, and emotion, we relate to ourselves. And then we relate to other people. But God gave us the Spirit with whom we are to relate to Him. Does not the Scripture say in John chapter 4 that the woman at the well, Jesus said to her, If you're going to worship God, you must worship Him in, in truth. You must understand who He is and worship Him in spirit because it is with our spirit that we relate to Almighty God. So we are beings with a body, soul, and spirit. Now, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had, Adam and Eve had a perfect body. A perfect soul and a perfect spirit. So they could relate to their environment perfectly. They could relate to each other absolutely perfectly. And they could relate to God in an unhindered human divine perfection. Because their spirit was that total oneness with God the Father. 
When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God warned them that if they ate of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die. Now, the Scripture says that when they ate of that tree, God drove them out of the garden, indication of their separation from God. Now, physically, ultimately, they died, but at that moment, they didn't die. So, what is it in Adam and Eve that died? Well, their body didn't die for a long period of time. Their soul didn't die because they could still think and reason will. Their mind, their emotion, their conscience, their consciousness. What died was their spirit. Their spirit died toward the things of God. So that when they died, what died was their spirit. Now, when they died, the Bible says the whole human race was poisoned. And all, therefore, all of us come into the world with a bent away from God. We have what we call a sinful, as Paul says, a carnal nature that has been away from God. And that's why a little child, precious and sweet as they are, can be so rebellious toward their parents at the age of three. You don't teach them rebellion. They come into the world with a nature that is rebellious toward that which is right and good. I didn't say all people are equally as rebellious, but the rebellious nature is there. Now, what is God going to do about this? And what is it that died? If you recall in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul said, Wherein in times past we walked according to the course of this world. But the reason was, he said, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, what was dead? Well, the body's not dead. The soul is not dead. It is the spirit within man that is dead toward the things of God. So that an unbeliever, an unbeliever is dead in his or her spirit toward the things of God. They can't relate to God. They don't understand the things of God. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the natural man receiveth not the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. So that here is the unbeliever in a state that is dead toward God. What Adam and Eve lost in the garden, their perfect relationship with the Father, God designed that man could regain a relationship with God the Father. His glorified body will be the regaining of the body. And so when you and I are raptured from this world, we are going to regain what Adam and Eve lost. But while we are here, we have a body that has its um, problems with disease and um, all kinds of ailments that come our way. In our minds, we think things we should not think. We are tempted. We are tried. We get distorted views of things. In our spirit... A person is dead to the things of God until the spirit is made alive. Now, the scripture describes that process in a term that to some has become a terminology that uh, they don't want to talk about no more called the new birth because of the misuse of it. Sometimes by politicians, people don't want to talk about the new birth. But the truth is that Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus said, except a man or a woman be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he said two verses later, except a per person be born of water and of the spirit, they cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So that when you and I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior by faith, 
And by that we mean that we accept Christ's death on the cross as payment for our sin. God accepted His death as payment for our sin. The moment we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, our sins are forgiven. It is an act of faith which God performed on the cross 2,000 years ago, applicable to me the moment I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. The moment we do that, the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit comes into your life and mine and does what? Regenerates, places a new life within our spirit so that now we are no longer dead to the things of God. We are now indwelt by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have been made alive under the things of God. We have been regenerated. We have been converted. We've been reconciled. But regeneration is the word. Something happened to this spirit that was dead to the things of God. Now we are sensitive to the things of God. We have a desire for the things of God. We have a hunger for the things of God. A person who has no desire for God, no hunger for God, no faith in God, is dead to the things of God, separated from God, and is lost. It is in this experience that Jesus called the new birth, this regeneration, this renewing, this new life, this experience whereby the Holy Spirit makes us alive unto God, it is that moment we receive the life of Christ. And therefore, the Bible talks about this new life. Now, if you'll turn to John chapter 10, verse 27, and you recall as Jesus is speaking here, that he talks about his relationship to us as being the shepherd to the sheep. But listen to what he says in verse 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me and I give unto them. Now, I want you to help me out here for a moment. So I want you to participate, join in, read the Bible. And if you're watching or listening about the television, tape or radio, you may do the same thing. But I want you to get in on this. Now, I'm not going to do all the talking. I want you to listen. But I want you also to join in. Look, if you will, in verse 28, he says, I give unto them what? Eternal life. Now, what kind of life is that? What is that? Eternal life. What is eternal life? It is forever life. When somebody says, what is eternal life? It's forever life. Well, how long is forever? Well, there's a real simple answer to that. How long is forever? Forever. How long is forever? Forever. How long is that? Forever. And how long is that? Forever. There is no end to forever life. But now, usually when we talk about the life that our Lord gives, and remember he said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. He says, I am the life. What is eternal life? It is forever life. Now, what is this forever life? If you'll turn to 1 John, in the little epistle, Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1 John, chapter 5. And if you'll notice in this 11th verse... He gives us an idea of what this forever life is. What is this forever life? It's eternal life. Usually we only limit that in terms of quantity of life, how long it's going to be. But in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, he describes what this life is. And the witness is this, that God has given us what kind of life? Eternal life. And this life is in whom? His Son. He who has the Son has what? Wait a minute. Mm-mm. You didn't read it all. He who has the Son has what? The life. Now listen, you can be lost as you can be and have life. But what kind of life do you have? Physical life. 
He that has the Son has what? The life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have what? The life. We are talking about the life of Christ within a person. Now, remember what Jesus said to Mary and Martha when they called for Jesus and Lazarus had died. And he said to them when he arrived on the scene, I am the resurrection and what? The life. Now, therefore, eternal life is not only forever life, but what else is it? Eternal life is Christ Jesus. Now, I didn't say that Jesus Christ was just eternal life, but eternal life is Christ Jesus. He that hath the Son hath what? The life. That life is the eternal life. He that doth not have the Son of God, he that does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Therefore, my eternal life is wrapped up in a person. It is not some extension of time that God gives me. Eternal life... Eternal life is Christ Jesus living within us. So that when you were saved, that is when you came to know Christ as your Savior, when you received Him, the Bible says that God gave to you eternal life. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Jesus has given to us Himself. Remember what He said He said, I'm going away, but if I go away, I'll come again. He said, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and when He comes, He'll be in you, with you, and upon you. He will not speak of Himself, He'll speak of me. The Holy Spirit comes into our life at salvation, regenerates this Spirit of ours, dead to the things of God, and Christ Jesus comes to indwell us as believers. So that a believer, listen, a believer is one in whom the glorified, resurrected Christ is living his life through the indwelling Holy Spirit. So now when Paul said, when Christ who is our life, what is he speaking of? He's not speaking of some extension of time. The very life within you, that which is going to last beyond this life. For example, if you died physically, that is, physically, you just your heart stops beating and they say, they declare you dead. Well, you and I know that nobody can ever declare you dead. Now, here's the reason. Because your life is, listen, the life that is within you is Christ Jesus. He was living from eternity past and will be living in eternity future. You cannot destroy the Lord Jesus Christ who is life, who holds the keys of life and death. That same Christ has come to indwell you in your spirit. And there is no separation of the Lord Jesus Christ from your spirit because the two become now one. Christ is your life. So what happens is when you were saved, God just grafted you into the stream of eternal life. And now you are living in the stream of eternal life which goes from eternity past to eternity future. You just get in today. And for eternity future, you will forever be living in the Lord. Now, I want to show you how Jesus describes this and how Paul described it. And then to go a little deeper. Is everybody with me? Say amen. Amen. All right. Now, if you'll turn to John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus is taking something that is very simple. And all of these apostles will understand this. He's going to provide for them a tremendous truth upon which Paul 
is not only going to reflect upon, but Paul is going to open the door and let us see what Jesus really meant. Jesus said, here's the new relationship. Remember now, he is establishing a new covenant with them. He says, here's the new relationship we're going to have. He says, it's like a vine and a branch. He says, I am the vine, Jesus. He says, you're the branch, the believer. And you and I have... You and I have been grafted in upon our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and grafted in. The graft takes. And so the sap that runs in the vine runs in the branch in the stem and produces grapes. Now, branches do not produce grapes. Branches simply bear what the sap that runs in the vine that runs in the branch produces. It is the sap that's in that grape. Branches don't provide, do not, do not produce grapes. They bear them. Now, look, if you will, in verse 4 and 5, what Jesus said. He said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, so neither can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So he says, this is your relationship. He says, your relationship is that now... You're going to be in me, and I'm going to be in you. And that was transacted when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and then a whole new relationship developed between the Lord and the church. So, when he says that you and I are abiding in him, that is, we have been placed into him by the grace of God, and now the life of Christ is now the life in the vine. And therefore, the fruit that you and I bear, we do not produce it. The fruit we bear is the fruit that comes from the Spirit in Christ Jesus, living within us now. And that fruit is love, joy, peace, goodness. That is the whole cluster of the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible doesn't say the fruit of the believer, but the fruit of the Spirit. You and I simply bear. That is the life of Jesus Christ who has become your life as he is free to express himself through you is going to bear what? Love and joy and peace and self-control and goodness and gentleness and meekness and all the rest. That we, you and I are bearing, we are reflecting, we have become the channels through which the life within us, who is Christ Jesus, is living through us. So that a believer is one in whom the resurrected, glorified Christ is living his life in and through us. Now, if you'll turn to the 17th chapter of John, just a couple of chapters there. And this is a prayer that Jesus prayed uh, for his apostles and for us. And notice what he says in this 17th chapter. Now, in this chapter, he uses two phrases again. Look, if you will, in verse 23. Oh, go to 22 so we can get a little context. And the glory which thou hast given me, Jesus speaking to the Father, I've given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. Now, listen to what he says. I in them, thou in me. Look, if you will, in verse 26. I have made thy name known to them, and will make it known that the love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them, and I in them. Now, here's the key phrase of Jesus in his relationship. When Jesus looks upon us, here's what he sees. He in us, we in him. An inseparable, listen, an inseparable relationship. Why? Because, you see, Christ Jesus didn't just come to dwell within us. He came and established himself as our life. All the life within you that is Godward 
is the life of Christ. This physical life of ours is very temporary. The eternal forever Christ life within you has no end. It is a life from which you can never be separated. Now, here's what I want you to watch. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, as Paul describes here our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll notice in this passage, he says something that oftentimes we wonder about. He says, and he has, in verse 6, he raised us up with him and seated us with him that is with Christ in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Now, if I should ask you today, according to the Scriptures, where is the Lord Jesus Christ? Where is Jesus? Where is He? He's in heaven, seated where? At the Father's right hand. Where are you? You are down here on earth from all, for all practical purposes. But the truth is, if you're in Him and He's in you, now watch this. If Jesus Christ is in you, which He is, and you're in Him, wherever He is, you are. And wherever you are, He is. All right? So, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is seated at the Father's right hand in the heavenless. If Jesus Christ is seated at the Father's hand in the heavenless, where are you as the believer? You are in the heavenless, seated with the, with the heavenly Father in Christ Jesus. Now, if Christ Jesus is in you and you are on earth, where is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is on earth in you. Do you see that there is an, there is an inseparable relationship between you and the Lord Jesus Christ? Why do you think he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? And the reason I emphasize this and, and reiterate it again and again and again is because 99% of believers have been programmed to think in this fashion. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He came into my heart. Now, I'm going to serve Him and live for Him. That is, I've added Jesus into my life. No, you didn't add Jesus. He came to be your life. You see, if I think I added Him, if I'm programmed to think that Jesus is something, is something and that salvation, most people think that salvation is something. It is something God sent down from heaven. No wonder they think they can lose it. And many people think you can lose your salvation. I know I'm talking to a lot of dear friends who love us and support us, who, who believe in falling from grace. But friend, I'm not going to change your belief probably if you died in the womb that area. But I want you to think about something. If Jesus Christ has become your life, he that hath the life, he that hath the Son hath the life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If Jesus Christ has become my life, and he is living in me, and I'm living in him, and He has bound me in an inseparable relationship. He says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any pluck them out of my Father's hand. For my Father which gave them to me is greater than all. Period. That doesn't leave any out for eternal security. Listen, if salvation is something that God gives to me apart from Jesus, okay, maybe I can lose it. But if Christ comes within me to dwell in me, and Christ comes to be my very life, how can I lose my life? You see, you can't ever be what you were because you've been regenerated. Made new, established in Him in an inseparable relationship because of the nature of Christ and because of the nature of the believer. Listen, 
If I'm in him and he's in me and he's in the heaven as I'm up there, let me ask you a question. How's the devil going to heaven and snatch you out of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's seated at the Father's right hand, both the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all omnipotent beings, incomparable omnipotent beings, who have committed themselves, all three of them, for your eternal security? How in this world can you be lost? And you can't answer that. Because you can't be. You can live like the devil. You say, well, you can't live like the devil and go to heaven. Yeah, you can, but God will scare you to death on your way. <laughs> he will chastise you and whip you with a whip. Well, listen, with a strap of love to get you back into, into order and to get your mind. And the Bible says there's a sin unto death. You see, do you know why we have a problem? Somebody's afraid that we're going to get away with something. Most of us have lived long enough to realize, don't worry about it. You're not going to get away with it. You'll be forgiven for it, but you may be chastened, whipped, disciplined in the process. Now, Christ has become your life. He didn't, listen, this forever life is Christ living in you. Not just to keep you forever and ever and ever alive, but to do something far more dramatic and wonderful than that. Now, so... Here's what happened. In the incarnation, which we've been describing, in the incarnation, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ came into union with humanity. That is, deity came into union with humanity. In regeneration, humanity comes into union with deity. That is, God sent His only begotten Son, and what did He do? He incarnated Himself in human flesh in order to walk among us as the God-man. When you and I are regenerated by the Holy Spirit and Christ becomes our life, what happens? That is, the Lord Jesus Christ, living within us, incarnates Himself again in each believer. Now, let me say one thing here, lest you misunderstand. I did not say all of us become little Jesuses when we're saved. Never. We can't ever be a little Jesus. You see, I don't have to be a little Jesus because Jesus Christ is living within you. And He does not want us to be a little Jesus. All He desires is that you and I submit to the Christ who is within us, and He will live out through us. In our character, our conversation, our conduct, the very life of Himself who indwells us and who is residing in our spirit. The real life within you is on the inside. Now, for example, this watch has a uh, uh, face and um, it has a hour hand, a minute hand and a second hand. has a date on it. Winder and all the rest. Now, where's the real life of that watch? You can't see the real life of that watch. The real life of that watch is on the inside, taken away. Now, when the inside of my watch dies, it's amazing what happens to the second hand, the minute hand, the hour hand, and the date. It all dies with it. Because, you see, the real life of that watch is on the inside. The real life, the, the real life, your real true life is on the inside. It is in your, it isn't even physical. That's not the real you. That's what clothes the real you. The real you is on the inside of this. The Bible says this is the temple of the Holy Spirit who, 
regenerated you and established you in a new relationship with Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus living inside of you. He says, I am abiding in you. That is, living in you, resting in you. And you're abiding, resting, living in me. Christ has become our life. And His desire is that you and I would free Him to live His life through us moment by moment. Now, Jesus used the term of abiding and I and them and they and me. Now, I want you to see how Paul described this. Look, if you will, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Now, you know this verse by heart. If you don't, you should. And I want you to see how Paul understood so clearly what Jesus said. In the 20th verse, he said, Having been saved by the grace of God, some tremendous transaction took place. No one that he saw some great life. What happened, happened on the inside. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. That is, when the Lord Jesus Christ came into his life, he died to the old way. And he says in Romans that, he, that as he was buried and rose to walk in newness of life, you know why? Because he became a new person. Same body, new person, new spirit, new life within. Now think about this. You've got the same brain and the same mind, the same conscience, will and emotion, all the rest when you're saved. What is new within you is Christ. And as we submit to the Christ who is within us, it is amazing what happens to us emotionally, mentally, in our conscience, our consciousness, our awareness of God. And every other facet of our life, our body is even affected by our submission to the Christ who is within us. Listen to how Paul said it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives. Well, now, wait a minute, Paul. You tell me that here you are talking to me and you tell me you're not living. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live. Look at the next part. Read it with me. But what? Christ lives in me. You know why? Because Christ had become his life. Everything in him Godward was Christ through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm abiding in you and you're abiding in me. Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but now Christ is living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, delivered himself up for me and became his very life. Christ is my life, he said. Look in chapter 4 and verse um, 19. Here Paul expressing his desire for this to become a living outward reality in the life of these Galatians. He said, My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Until Christ is formed in you. I have another way of putting that. And then if you will uh, look, if you will, in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 16, just a few of the verses that Paul refers here to this. He says, in praying for those Ephesian Christians, he says, I pray that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that they may understand that Christ is their life. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. Here is a verse, very short, but here is the summation of what we are talking about. Paul said, for me to live, for me to live, he says, it's for Christ to live. Why? Because he understood that Christ had become his life. He says, for me to die now is my gain. I'm going to heaven. 
He says, but for me to live is for Christ to live because Paul knew that the resurrected, glorified Christ was alive and living in and through him. Paul said, Christ is my life. Look, if you will, in Colossians. Move over one more book. And look in the first chapter. The 27th verse. He says, well, let's go back so you can catch a couple of things here. Let's go back um, to verse 25. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. That is, now watch this carefully. That is the mystery which had, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested, revealed to His saints. To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is this mystery? Which is Christ in you. You're the hope of glory or your hope of becoming the person God wants you to be. Did you get that? Christ in you. Christ living within you. Listen, our hope of becoming the person God wants us to be. Our hope of becoming the glorified person that God wants to be. The hope of God glorifying Himself in us is that Christ Jesus has become our life. When you receive Him, not only Savior, Messiah, Lord, but life. Everything in you that is Godward is Christ Jesus within you. Now, turn to chapter 3 of that same book, Colossians. And look, if you will, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, If then you've been raised up with Christ, that is, having been saved with the grace of God, keep on seeking the things above. Get your mind on the things that are above. Spiritual things. Knowing wisdom. Where Christ is. Now watch this. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Where is that? Seated at the right hand of God. Where we are in Christ Jesus. Set your mind on the things above, because that's where we are. Not on the things that are on earth, because you see, we have a whole different life now. For you have died, that is, died to your past life. And your life is hidden with whom? Christ. Where? In God. The real you has been hidden with God in Christ Jesus. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed. When he appears, when he comes, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So what is Paul saying? Paul is simply saying to us in this passage and all these passages that Christ has become our life. Where he is, there we are. Where we are, there he is. And we are in an inseparable union with the Lord Jesus Christ. He has become our life. Now, what we have to ask is, how is it, how is it that we experience on a daily basis what in reality is true. Now, you remember what Jesus said in that 8th chapter of John? When you know the truth, He says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Set you free of the things that shackle you and bind you. And you see, most people are bound by some things. Some are bound by less, some are bound by more. But so many people are tragically bound. They'll never be able to soar like God intended them to live their lives in victory and in joy and peace. That doesn't mean that I'm not even going to begin to imply. You won't have heartaches, burdens, tribulations, trials, defeats. You're going to have it all. But here's the difference, friend. When you understand and you grasp and you begin to live out of the truth that Jesus Christ is your life, 
All the things that used to hit you may hit you triple force. But the difference is this. You're going to be able to rise above that in the most beautiful way. I mean, you may hurt just as bad, but there's something inside of you that is exhilaratingly motivating. I mean, there is, there is an assurance. There, there is an abounding assurance. Haven't you seen the times when you've had to say, I can't handle much more of this. I don't think I'm handling it, God. It looks like I'm going down and inside of you, you whisper. But Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you're my life. And I'm here to tell you, once you confess that Jesus Christ is your life, it doesn't make a difference how black the scene. It doesn't make a difference how far down you're thinking, how, how encompassed you are with problems, heartaches, burdens, tribulations, trials, persecutions. When you begin to confess that Jesus Christ is your life, it's like he just thrusts you above all of that. Why? Because Jesus has never been overcome by anything. That's the reason. And the life that is within you is the supernatural, all-surpassing life of the living God. Listen, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the supernatural triune God. Living within you. Listen, he says we're in God. Hidden in God, in Christ Jesus, in dwelt with the Spirit, Christ Jesus abiding within us. An inseparable, wonderful, incomparable relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We ought to wake up every morning excited. He said, man, you don't know the kind of life I'm living, I can tell you this. If you will allow the living Christ to begin to release, listen, His life in you and through you the way He so chooses, it isn't, it isn't making a difference what you're facing. Either Almighty God is true or He's not true. If Christ is your life, there is not anything you cannot gain the victory over. Because, you see, as Christ is your life, Christ is your victory. Now, say amen to that. You see, we, listen, we need to rejoice over the truth. Don't sit there, friend, like, hmm. It is the truth. It is the truth this world needs to understand. That you have, listen, you have the forever, listen, you have not only forever life within you, you have the forever person within you who is warm and personal and intimate and loving and forgiving in an unconditional loving way. He's living on the inside of you. Tell me anything that God Almighty cannot overcome. Christ has become your life. Now, I believe a seven-year-old boy can understand that to some degree. You say, well, but how do I make that real in my life? There are two words that come to my mind when I think about Christ being in life. The first word is freedom and the second one is faith. What do I mean by that? Simply this. And when you begin to understand that Christ is your life and you appropriate that, it is amazing how free you become of so many things. Now, you can, you can resort back to the old way of life if you choose, anytime you choose. But I'm saying, my friend, once you taste of Christ your life, I can tell you this. You, won't ever, you may try the past, but you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be happy. You see the patterns, you see your mistakes, you see your failures, you see how ridiculous the whole idea is, and then you begin to realize that you're basking in the sunlight of God's love. Now listen, I have a little affirmation that I say to the Lord and to myself, sometimes, several times a day, 
but usually before I get out of the bed in the morning. And one of them is, thank you, Lord, that I'm walking in the sunlight of your love. Now, it has nothing to do with the weather. Nothing. It can be clouded, snowing, raining, hailing, sleeting. It has nothing to do with it. Neither does it make any difference, nor does it in my schedule have any effect. Or what people think, or what they do, what... Nothing can affect that. Listen. I thank you, Father, I'm walking in the sunlight of your love. How do I know that? Because Christ is in me, and I'm in him. And he's made a promise that he's my heavenly Father. And I can walk in the sunlight of his love because I know that his love never changes. His love for me isn't conditioned by my actions, my attitudes. His love is an unconditional, forever, unchangeable, immutable love that never changes. And therefore, until God changes, I can always know that every morning I wake up and when I'm asleep at night, I'm either walking, living, or sleeping in the sunlight of God's love. You can't change that. We, we just need to understand who we are. Secondly, secondly, Christ is my life. That makes me adequate for everything. You say, that sounds a little cocky and prideful. Well, let me tell you, that's just my way of saying what Paul said. Paul said it this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ is my life that makes me adequate for every situation. If it doesn't, there's something wrong with God. Christ is your life. Do you know why He is your life? He came to make you adequate for every situation in Him. Apart from Him, He says, we can do nothing. In Him, we can do all things. That's what Paul said. Christ is your life. That makes you adequate for anything and everything. And you become free of so many things that have bothered you and trapped you and snared you and made you fearful. Listen, you want to get rid of your fears, you begin to grasp that Christ... Christ Jesus is your life. What are you afraid of if Christ is on the inside of you, living out His life in you? Oh, you can come up with a few things, but all of them are illegitimate. There's nothing legitimate that you and I have the fear of Christ is our life. My friend, if you will grasp the truth, and that's a whole series of messages, the freedom, the freedom that comes when we understand Christ to be our life. But let me say one other thing at this point about Christ our life. Not only does the first word freedom come, but the second word is faith. You say, well, now, wait a minute. How, how, how do I make this happen to me? You don't have to make it happen. You know what happens? When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, everything I've described has already happened to you. It's already true. The problem is we don't know it's true. And so what do we do? We struggle. We fret. We try. We talk to God as if He's way up yonder somewhere. We say, I, I just can't reach God. You know why I can't reach Him? He's on the inside. You, listen, you don't even have to reach. You pick up the telephone to call your friend. You don't pick up anything to talk to God. He's on the inside of you. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't bow or look up in reverence. That's fine. But the reality is this. You see, we, we need to be programmed to think truth. Not what we've been taught, but what is the truth? The truth is this, that God is your life on the inside of you, living inside of you. In order to enable you, listen, in order to enable you, equip you, make it possible for you to become the righteous, godly, whole man and woman that he predestined you to become. And friend, I want to tell you something. You spend your life searching 
and seeking and piling up wealth and getting status and prestige and position and all the rest. But I want to tell you something. Until the Lord Jesus Christ in living reality by the appropriation of your faith becomes your life, you will search, claw, dig, knock, pull, stomp on, step on, climb. And when you get to the end of the way, you'll realize that somewhere and somehow you missed it. You know what you missed? Think of the tragedy of this. Spend your whole life relating to other people, seeking, going, searching, finding, investing, trying, saving, spending, working, laboring, driving yourself, only to end up in life and realize that everything you were looking for has been there all along. And look the price you paid trying to find and merit and deserve which you were freely given by grace through the cross in Christ Jesus. Did you know that's what most of you are going to do? You're going to spend your life searching, seeking, trying, yielding, You're going to spend your life doing everything you know how to do to find something to fill that great big vacuum. And I want to tell you, my friend, the only person who can fill that is Jesus Christ. No thing. You see, because inside of you, there is a Christ-shaped place, hole, shall I say. And the only person who fits it is Jesus. Anything else you put in there, somehow it just won't fit together. It just won't work. Only Christ is going to make it work. And that begins by your confession of your sin and your repentance toward God. And asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life. Listen to me now. Asking the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin based on His death on the cross. Receiving Him as your Savior for your sins. Your Lord to give you guidance and direction submit to Him. And is your life. The enabler. For you to become everything God had in mind. Now think about this. I think about the parents who had great dreams for their children. Did everything they could to help them. And the kids end up somehow embarrassing them and bringing great shame and, 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 and disrespect and all the rest that comes to that kind of failure. Do you know that when you and I strive and work and claw and climb and seek the prestige and the position and all that goes with this worldly system of ours, do you realize that God the Father must feel the same way? He gave us so much. He's done everything. And here we are ignoring the real person, trying to get our needs met, only to end up with life. One big disappointed failure. If you are a believer, everything you'll ever need is living on the inside of you. Because the Bible says, when you have Christ, you have everything. Do you know what everything is? Do you know what everything includes? Everything is like forever. Everything includes everything. And forever is forever. And when you have Jesus, what do you have? You have the forever life. And you have everything, the forever life will ever need. How? 
by appropriating by faith. Some of you are saved. So let me talk to the saved folks first. You know that you're saved. And you know that I've told you the truth today. And what you're asking is, how do I make this real? Here's the way you make it real. You tell the Lord Jesus Christ today. Speak to the Father. Father, today I appropriate. That means that you, that you take, that you begin to live out of the truth that Christ is your life. Which means... By faith, you will allow Him to respond to your circumstances, in your situations, that you, will, that you will acknowledge Him when there's a need. Lord Jesus, You're my life. I'm going to trust You to respond to this situation. And you know what happens? The fear is gone. The anxiety just, just leaves. Uh, the, the frustrations are gone. Why? Because if Christ is living within you and you understand that, and you begin to respond to circumstances on the basis that the all-sufficient ones on the inside, it is amazing how tranquil and peaceful God begins to make your life. It is a matter, listen now carefully, it is a matter of, of trusting God to be in and through you everything He promised. That is, what is true of you is that Christ has become your life. Now, will you allow Him in your daily walk? Will you allow Him to begin to live out through you? So, well, how am I going to? You don't even have to try. It is amazing what happens when you get in a situation and the Holy Spirit just reminds you remember who your life is. Who's my life? The all sufficient, forever everything that I need is within me. I don't have to fret, fume, become anxious or fearful. I know that no matter how black the situation may look, the God who is within me is going to bring me through it. Whatever my need is, He's going to supply it in His own perfect timing, in His own way. Christ my life means that I'm willing to set aside my will and allow Him, listen, not get something, just allow the one who is within me to live it out in a practical way Monday morning, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday, doesn't make any difference when, and what? It's just Christ. Now, if you'll tell him, Lord, Lord, I don't know that I understand it all. Nobody will ever understand it all. Lord, I don't understand it all, but beginning today, I'm appropriating you as my life. And from this moment on, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to live out of the life that is within me. You can't ever be the same. And even if you try to go back, you'll become so miserably dissatisfied. You'll be praising, your, you'll be praising God in the middle of your repentance that He delivered you from what you once were. Father, how sweet and loving and kind and gracious and good you are. Not to just hand us down something, but to come and be within us all that we need. Now, we bless you for that. And, Father, I pray that somebody who's lost, somebody who's never been saved, would understand that death resides within them. And they have absolutely no hope of ever satisfying or finding contentment and fulfillment apart from the person of Jesus Christ, who is received by faith. I pray for every single believer who is listening. 
that they may be willing to kneel, sit, or stand, whatever it might be. You simply say to you, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you as my life, and from this moment on, I choose to live out of your life. I choose your life is my life. I choose you to live your glorified, resurrected life through me. I choose to respond to the beckoning of the Holy Spirit in every circumstance, in every situation. I choose to believe you make me adequate for everything I face from this moment on. I choose to resist all fear, all resentment, all bitterness, all hostility. I choose to resist those satanic attacks of Satan. I choose to resist all unbelief and all doubt. I choose to believe what you said is true about me and to live out of the truth as the Holy Spirit enables me in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley, speaker on the In Touch television and radio broadcasts. To order additional copies of this message, or for a catalog listing available video and audio cassette copies of other messages by Dr. Stanley, write to In Touch, Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. To place an order using your Visa or MasterCard, dial toll-free 1-800-323-3747. This has been a production of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia.